0: Hello, this is Ryan Reiser, your host. This is gonna be a very different podcast series than anything you've experienced on the market. What I'm trying to do is change things up a little bit. Rather than having a special guest and one topic with great conversation that goes away, we're gonna host a series of experts and others who have perspective on different topics over a period of time. Gather that in a series of episodes And roll that out until we've really exhausted a topic so hopefully you enjoy this podcast and thanks again for listening in so i'm pretty excited for the next guest on uh, this topic Uh, i'm a brand new sdr outbound sdr how do i start owen uh, do you want to introduce yourself to the audience
1: sure good to be here i'm owen richards i'm the founder and ceo of air marketing um, and we uh, we provide outsourced sdr services outbound prospecting as a service, um, primarily in the SaaS tech, FinTech finance world um, from the UK with an office in Sydney. So we do a fair amount of global outreach. So we see all sorts of markets as well. So yeah, it's a topic that's um, is very close to what we do day to day.
0: Oh, fantastic. I-, I think this one's going to be really exciting because uh, not only do you have the perspective as an agency working uh, across multiple uh, types of campaigns but also the international perspective, mm. which um, which I'm always keen to, to learn more and more about because yeah. I, I've you know I've I've most of my uh, insights come from mostly U.S. based campaigns. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited to dig in today. So again, this is assumption for those listening in here, I'm I'm an SDR outbound SDR just joined your organization. I've gone through whatever boot camp. Hmm. or training, whatever that might be. <laughs> sometimes that's a uh, show up and here's a phone and good luck
1: sometimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Other times it's like uh, you're going through all this product training and stuff like that, yeah. but I've gone through all that. Just assume that now I'm ready to get started. Uh, but before I get into some of the like the day-to-day uh, elements, just to set the tone for people here from your, so they can set the tone out. Obviously you already said you have a different uh, set of But but how big is your outbound team or teams? Um,
1: so we have, we've, we've got two teams, our own outbound team, which is three. Um, and then our client facing outbound SDRs, um, which is a team of about 40 odd uh, people and that's UK. And then probably the same again in Australia as well. So, you know, we see, we see, yeah you know, we've got a lot of heads doing a lot of outreach um, across a lot of different sectors and messaging and that sort of stuff. So uh, I guess we've got a fairly broad view and I'll, I'll, I'll happily focus on either ours or, our client's outreach, which varies, varies massively.
0: I think it's interesting in, in both cases to just say, Hey, mm. for us, this, for them, for most yeah. this, you know, let's get some yeah, perspective yeah, yeah. as we walk through this. And and so I can move right in. I mean, you serve a lot of different customers, obviously, in a lot of different mm-hmm. uh, verticals. And so uh, let's get right into the meat of this then, like, you know, for either your outbound team or the types of customers that you work with, do you expect the outbound SDR to be responsible for creating their own list
1: um short answer is no i i would i'd i'd expect an sdr to be able to add value to a list um and to know that if for whatever reason a list uh didn't give them the right contact details that they would have some kind of sense of where to look and where to go and how to do that but i personally would never or very rarely unless we absolutely had to start an sdr and say here blank canvas go and build your own list your own data um, i think that that list is, is is a part of your overarching sales and growth strategy. Um, and it, you know there's no other part of your business strategy that you would delegate down to an SDR level um, and expect it to be right at that level of experience. Um, and if somebody in your SDR team is the right person to be building out data, they're probably in the wrong role. Um, so I, I, it's not to say they shouldn't and they can't, but I think you need to give them a good solid starting point, which is um, ideally a data set. And I also think from a productivity perspective, You know, I'm I'm a big fan of quantity. It doesn't mean I don't think it should be quality. I think we have to have a base level of quality. But ultimately, if you know that base level of quality is there, the more of that you do, the better the the outcome. Um, And if we can take time away from SDRs to focus on having more conversations with people, doing more outreach, then we get a better result. And so we tend to put that legwork in on the most part before we activate them and then just add to it as we go.
0: And I love what you said there, right? It, obviously, I'm a big proponent of the list being the strategy it's right behind mm. me, but um, <laughs> and you wouldn't delegate that down. How does that translate into the, the outsource world, right? When you're working with customers, mm. do they yeah, delegate that to you? Yeah, yeah.
1: No, same thing. So we, we would always work with the client. So we, we have a tiered level. So we'd have an account manager who is somebody who has been around the block a bit more, more sales experience, built successful strategies in the past, who would work in collaboration with the client or the client's data people to build out a data strategy, and part of that is a procurement process or a build process to say, "Look, here, here's the data," and we give that to the SDRs like a tool. You know, we don't make them go and decide which phone system to use. Um, we give them the phone system that we think is going to integrate best with the CRM and so on and so forth. It's no different. It's a tool, um, and that's not to say they can't adapt and change and do do what they want to and personalize the process. But you know, if I go to each SDR. And tell them to build their own data in their own way. It's another thing to train them on. It's another thing that gives me um, you know, differences between the way they're, they're doing it. It makes the process less, um, less global, less scientific. So we get senior sign-off, account manager representing us, client representing them. Both sign off on that strategy. We agree these are the right people. We agree we've got the right data. And then we we hand that down to the SDRs to to use, knowing that they're going to add to it as they go, but they've got a really sensible starting point
0: so you started to touch on this a little bit um, mm. I'm super curious uh especially in the the client world because in my my experience in the past having run you know outsource appointment setting mm. um, you you get into a point where one side's feeling like things are going well, typically the folks that are getting appointments set, this can happen in-house as well. Uh, yeah. But the other side's like, oh, like that's not a good fit. That's not a good company. And so it's like, well, remember when we went through this whole process and we agreed that this this was, was the list? Yeah. Can you, first of all, is that an experience that you you have? Um, if mm. not, I'd love, love to learn from you that. Uh, and then mm. walk me through that, like actually how a list might be put together, um, how mm. you think about a sound list procurement process looks like
1: sure um, so answers the first is yes of course yeah we we, we come across that i think that i've been i've been in this outsourced sales agency world since 07 so you know 13 14 years and i would say it comes up less now because we've learnt as we've gone um, i think that one of the best strategies that we use for that and you can do this internally or externally is forcing our clients and in your if this is in house your aes to listen to the calls that your sdrs have had um, in order to generate the appointment for you. Because if you as an AE or as a, a client, if you use an outsource, listen to that, hear it and go, yeah, I want to go to that meeting. Then you know, as much as the SDR does at that point in time, as far as I'm concerned, if you're making the choice that you want to go to that meeting, then how could the SDR be expected to think any differently? So I think there's a there's a, there's a a simple process there that can, can align everybody at least.
0: I've, I absolutely love that. So you're saying, so I set an appointment whether I'm in-house mm. or first, I set an appointment, I send that recording to the person who's responsible for attending that appointment. And I say, hey, w- do you want to attend this appointment? Because if not, yeah. you just right do, you, do you cancel it, yeah. you just cancel it. Yeah. If that, I freaking like love that. Yeah, I, it,
1: I, I, I mean, I, you, you know as much as I do right now. So, you know, I've had a six minute conversation with this guy, he wants to meet with you. I know this, this and this about him. What has historically happened is we've written that into an email or into some kind of CRM system as a note we take it as given that it's true, and then they turn up to meet him, find out it's not the case. And of course, it's always the SDR's fault. Actually, prospects tell us lies, prospects um, sure. get confused, they miscommunicate, and call- they're human. And so, if you here as an AE or as a client if you're outsourcing, that's the conversation I've heard both sides of the conversation. I know everything my SDR knows not only am I better prepared for the meeting because I can hear tone of voice I can hear the discussion yes. I can pick things out that maybe the SDR wouldn't have done because I'm more experienced in theory, but I also make a conscious decision that I value you yeah, know I value my time, but I'm going to give someone my time to go to this meeting I can't and I can no longer push the blame I'm accountable and I think there's a it's, it's a it's a, yeah. You know, whether, whether clients or AEs choose to do it is entirely up to them. But the fact that we give it to you means that we're, we're accountable.
0: Okay. Okay. So i I was going to ask that question. So are you actually building that into the process where like, it has to be accepted on both sides, like truly accepted because of the call recording, or is it saying, I just gave it to you, so um, it. it
1: depends on the client some clients okay. don't want to do it um you know you can't force people you can it's that old thing you can lead a horse to water but you can't force them to drink. We, we, we'll always give it and we'll encourage and we'll make it clear that you know it, it, it we, we we encourage it because it, it, for no other reason um than primarily it makes you more prepared for the meeting and you've got a better car, chance right. of closing something yeah. but yeah we can't force people to do it internally we can um externally it's very difficult so Absol-
0: absolutely absolutely I, I mean, I just love that idea because uh, in my mind, I'm like, man, it, I would, I will, I'm actually moving forward. I'm going to build that into my process of mm-hmm. like, l- listen, like you cannot show up. I won't even, I'll cancel the meeting if you do not listen and approve yeah. it. I mean, we're talking yeah. about, most of these conversations for appointments are, you know, yeah. two to two to five minutes max. It's not, yeah, it's not long. they're not very long, not I'll, long. I'll, <laughs> unless you get on like these long monologues, right? They're not long. Mm-hmm. And that point is probably ordered the meeting anyway. So you can really yeah. decide, is it yeah. worth it or not? Yeah. And so I love that idea because it saves everyone time. And there's mm-hmm. like a whole workflow you can have behind it too. That's still gracious to yeah. the prospect. It says, Hey, look, you know, after, um, having a conversation about this, we really think that this information here and this information here is probably going to get you what you need. Uh, mm-hmm. if you think you'd still like to talk, let us know. Otherwise yeah, we don't need to take a meeting. Uh, I think exactly. I would imagine as a buyer, if I truly was interested, I'd be like, wait a second.
1: Yeah yeah and you think if you're an ae and you turn up to i've had it i turn up to a meeting where somebody's phoned me i'll accept a meeting i get passed to the next person who is somebody who is more experienced better better qualified to sit that them and they go so tell me what you talked to so and so about and i said well am i now repeating myself because my time's precious and you haven't done your research and actually if you turn up and say look listen to your conversation with uh with ryan here's what i understand so far has anything changed since then cool, is there any gaps you want to fill? Right, let's take it from there. Here's my recommendation off the back of that. I save them half, half an hour. Or I save them 20 minutes of, of, of brief or 10 minutes, whatever it is. Um, and I, I look like I'm prepared and I'm professional. And I think that goes a long way to helping you build rapport and gain trust from prospects at that stage. Um, so it's, for me, it's a no-brainer. If you've got the technology there that allows you to record calls and you've got the process to say, we well, only have to listen to the ones that are yeses. You, you can either save your time if it's not right, or go into it better prepared if it is, and both, both are a win for me.
0: Yeah, and we know we know this is a best practice, right? Hey, I got the recordings. Mm-hmm. And the best reps yeah. are listening, right? But uh, I really love that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, moving towards the me- – now let's talk about the messaging, right? So what's being said in those conversations? Do you enforce or do you expect SDRs to have a script, use a
1: script? What are your thoughts on <laughs> Yeah, so we 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 framework every conversation. Um, and I think there's a balance, isn't there? It's like anything else in life. If we give them a blank sheet of paper and say, off you go, do your own thing, we are not scientific in our approach. We end up with five reps doing five different things. And then how can you measure anything or quantify anything? It's very, very difficult to to have control over a program. And I think when you're outsourced, there's a, there's a different level of accountability. You can't be as free and just go gallivanting off Doing your own thing, you've just brief and stay within a lane, you know, stay within some confines of what's been agreed. So we um, we use what you traditionally know as a script. Um I would I would cringe if I walked into onto our sales floor and heard somebody reading the script in a monotone or robotic way. Um that's not what we expect, but we expect we expect them to stick, particularly in the early days, to the framework of the conversation and the key the key messaging points, because we've worked hard with the client to develop those and we believe going into it. Those are the key things that need to be communicated. Those are the key questions that need to come across. And this is how we're going to to open the conversation up. If the SDRs give us feedback that's not working, or they think it could work a different, better, a different way, we encourage them to try it. Go try it, go and have 10 conversations like that. See if you get further, see if people engage a bit more, come back to us, let's make that global change across all SDRs rather than just you going off and finding that something works for you and other people not benefiting from it. So I think we have to have a process there. if I gave a new SDR just a phone and and a list off you go make calls and make up what you say I just I I don't think the process would work as well but we have to encourage personality to come into those conversations style what works for you doesn't work for me as well and you've got to be able to flex so it's that balance freedom and freedom of conversation and personality but but sticking to a set structure um and that's what we tend to talk about
0: yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting how many people uh, have a negative connotation towards script. Yeah. It's like a it's a negative word. Mm. Uh, I, me personally, uh, I don't know about you, Owen, uh, but when I'm when I'm making calls because you know, I still I still do this every day. Uh, keep my keep my sharp. I've score. seen it.
1: I've yeah. seen your videos. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, I feel way more comfortable when I have, I always have it up. And if I don't, mm. I feel, I actually feel almost lost. Um, mm. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a, a bad thing. Maybe I, maybe that's a crutch I'm using, but I feel way more confident when mm. I, I have a framework I can go to. It's not like I have to say it verbatim, like you said, like a robot, but yeah. it helps guide it. And, and I think a lot of, a lot of reps, again, we're talking about outbound, New outbound SDRs, yeah. they get, they get this, this negative taste in their mouth because they hear a lot of people say, oh, mm. let them have their freedom and flexibility. But if you're new, you know, training on that script, really rehearsing it, yeah. then you get comfortable in the framework. And I think yeah. that's the gap most people have is they don't put enough effort into memorizing yeah. and rehearsing.
1: There's nothing else like, in life that we would go into and have a group of people who have done it, done it well before us and not do what they do and not replicate you know replication is one of the best ways that we learn and trust me even those that say that we don't use scripts or we don't like scripts they have a script it's just in the head it's not written down on a bit of paper because I can guarantee you if you went and listened to 20 conversations or 10 conversations they'd have they'd say almost the same thing on most of those calls they'd flex and adapt but there's nothing saying that if you use a script you can't do that in the conversation anyway so I think it's just a really healthy sanity check the other thing i see is that people evolve scripts accidentally over time because we as humans get bored so if you say the same thing over and over again (laughs) down you can change your messaging and your script without realizing you've done it and all of a sudden it's not working as well but you don't consciously realize you've changed it by having it written down you've always got that checkpoint to refer back to so we find that people do that they go off and you go, hang on a second you were saying that before and it was working really well now you're saying this and you're not getting results why don't you just go back to that oh yeah i didn't think about that Um, so, you know, record taking makes sense across every, every walk of life. Anyway, the measurement piece is
0: huge. If you can stick to that framework and really stick to that framework and, and, and hit on the, the exact words, phrases, and sentences that are intentional. Mm. I mean, there's obviously the art of certain things, right? The emotional intelligence, the speed, the tone, the cadence, but the, uh, there are certain words, phrases, and sentences that are for your audience influencing. The, the behavior you're looking for. And if you, tr- you turn away from them because it doesn't feel weird.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't
0: feel comfortable rather. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: It can have an impact on, on your success and you don't even know it. I, I like that, um, mm. that feedback. So, to transition in that piece now into, we're talking about voice, but what about email? Um, this mm. is a big, this is a big one. Uh, yeah. Do you expect your SDRs to kind of write their own emails, um, you know, write their own copy, or do you provide more of like a template structure? Uh, for these um,
1: Again, typically templated um, to start with and then personalized from there or adapted from there. And again, I think it's about um, giving people the best starting point where they can be high on productivity um, without making it a one size fits all scenario. And, and like everything, it's about balance. We have SDRs who are exceptional on, in conversation who are just not, not great at crafting written copy. Um, and that doesn't mean they can't be great SDRs. You know, we, we give them the tools. So others like to be a bit more creative, um, do a bit more personalization, whatever it might be. And I think it, it's kind of for us program dependent. And I can co- have you know we run dozens of uh, of, of um, outreach programs all at the same time. So I can confidently say that what's right for me isn't right for you, and so on and so forth. Because each each program we run for each client is different, depending on the target market, the decision maker type, the function that they're in. So, for example. HR in the UK, very difficult, senior level HR people, much harder to get on the phones than um than mid-level sales management, for example. I mean you're pretty basic example, but you know, we have to be better at crafting um email copy that catches attention in that than we do with the the latter the the, the sales decision makers because they're more likely to answer the phone so we can have a conversation with them faster. You know, one channel plays a stronger part of the, 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 the success in one program and another in another and so on and so forth. But no, I think as a, as a general rule, particularly because we have so many programs um, on an outsourced basis, we'd always try and have a starting point for people in everything that we do, some kind of template. And then people make a personal choice over whether they want to work with that template and work at speed, um, or whether they want to take more time over crafting, personalizing and work on a quality basis. And then we use the metrics to tell us what is right and wrong. You know, each program is different. We report, we, we, um, we make a judgment call based on the evidence and we adapt accordingly. So if it feels like the templated message is getting a, a, the same read rate as one that's taking 10 minutes to craft all the time, then I know what to do. You know, let's, get, let's look at productivity and use the temp- templated version more often. Equally, if the templated version that stays simple just does, never gets opened, then we know we've got to do a bit more hard work on email. So I, it, it does vary, but template always for me is a starting point.
0: And I think it goes back to the same concept of the framework for messaging. You know, yeah. uh, if you're not giving someone that starting point, that ice block to carve from, I mean, mm. there's just, you know, I, Corey Bray closely, he says, um, you know, he says this pretty well. He says the words, phrases, and sentences, uh, like, you know, 70, probably 80%, maybe more than that. of The words, phrases, and sentences that we use, in the top of the funnel, especially, it's probably probably close to like 90% of the words, phrases, and sentences that we're going to use are the same across the board all the time. Mm. So why not structure, give the structure of what, you know, each stage of those uh, potential conversations look like, right? You can whiteboard this out. What are the different outcomes, Mm -hmm. you know, from an email perspective, you know, is it cold? Is it a follow-up? What type of follow-up was it, you know, Mm -hmm. positive or neutral or negative, you know, persona based on a so you can kind of carve that out and have those there and not only from a productivity perspective but reality is the success metrics like that incremental gain you're going to get from email copy uh, yeah. especially on the follow-up stuff maybe not so i mean i think there's an argument to be made on cold if you're going to do mm-hmm. email outreach which i'm i'm not very good at it so i i, I don't i don't do it but uh The data shows that it's also not very effective for most people. I think it's because of this, but uh, Mm -hmm. uh, the templates on the follow-up, like they just want the information, right? There's an engagement, there's information, and you can save a lot of time, energy and effort, and make your SDR more excited about the job because you're not Mm -hmm. sitting there trying to have to craft emails. Crafting
1: emails. And you know what? I've seen some terrible emails crafted from SDRs. (laughs) I really have good SDRs as well where, and we're talking today, as, as I understand it, about, you know, just in first, first, you know, off off from the blocks right at the beginning of the journey. That's right. If you're asking them to craft well, you know, well-written, creative, hyper-personalized, email, that's a tough gig to do from day one. When you, again, when you've got a team of people that have been doing it for a while, and my experiences with follow-up particularly, half of the job is done by sending them something they just want the, the the credibility of you did what you said you're going to do half the time it's fob off anyway um you know the, the the value isn't always there you can spend hours sending something that doesn't get read so um my view is that's stay eyes on productivity piece because in the time that you're writing that you could have had four other conversations with decision makers and got an appointment um so i think that's not to say i'm only focused on quantity because that's not not the case at all but Um, I'm a fan of the phone and fan of conversation over any other channel always have been. Um, And so I will always lean towards the other channels being things that can be a little, yeah, we could be box ticking. They're simple. They get us through the process, but they're not going to get us the meeting. We're always going to get a meeting by human conversation.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I've been a huge fan of adding video. So Mm. template template of the core information video for Personalization, <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. email, right? They so mm-hmm. you know, video is not its own channel; it's it's delivered via the email, and so that's yeah. what's that's what's helped me get past the fact yeah. that I just I don't like the writing. Um, yeah, so it helps quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, uh, So uh, moving on, you're just talking about the metrics and what you care about. This is a great transition into you know quota first. How do you think about quota, um, and then m- maybe how that translates into uh activity metrics, right? Yeah. Uh, so some I'd love to hear your perspective on that.
1: So quota for us in the client team is the hardest piece of our business because we run so many programs and every program is unique. Um, and we're setting out from the beginning not knowing what good looks like all mm-hmm. of the time. Um, and it, it is probably the biggest challenge in our operation um, in managing our team that they can move from one set of numbers being right to a completely different set of numbers being right if they change from program to program, and you got to rewire people every single time. So um, rather, it's hard because I can't. I can talk globally, but I'm averaging out across a lot of accounts. But we would typically look at, um, you know, we obviously we want to look at revenue attribution. Um, so within our SDR team, we're saying, okay, you've got a set number of appointments that you need to set for um, us per month. And that varies depending on the tools that they use or the outreach. So for our team that use Connect and Sell, they've got a higher quota than guys that are doing, um, you know, that are doing, um, uh, they're working on our enterprise sort of ABM outreach where we're trying to get key enterprise accounts. And it's much more about, longevity, nurture, that sort of stuff. So I think we we always look at number of appointments, but it's always got the context behind it. So it's never like just a random number. You know, we, we, we've adjusted that according to what we're trying to achieve, the value of sale, that sort of stuff. Um, we So, you know, we work backwards. We have a revenue goal and everybody plays a key, key role in that. We work that back to how many meetings we think we need. Off the back of typically our clients will say we're likely to convert that number of meetings sometimes. That's that. Sometimes I know exactly, exactly <laughs> okay. what it is. Um, sometimes you... find sometimes. Uh, percentage-wise. <laughs> so my favorite thing with clients is, so how many do you think you're, if we're setting a meeting for you, how many do you think that we've got? Well, you know what? We're not very good at the initial conversation, but once we get in front of them, we always close. Really? Always. Well, not always. What? Well, maybe 80%, really? 80%. Well, maybe 50%, 50, maybe 20%. And it just comes, you ask the question over and over again. It comes down. And, <laughs> But my my advice to people is always, A, first and foremost, measure it. If you're not measuring it, you're missing a massive trick. Measure it by channel, because if you are, uh, what will people will do, so we we normally convert 30% of the meetings we're setting. Okay, how many of those opportunities come through referrals? Oh, most of them. How many of them come through inbound? Most of them. These people are buy-ready, purchase-ready. They've already selected you out of two or three suppliers. They're in the moment thinking about it. They're engaged with the process versus somebody who gets a phone call, and is thinking about a thousand other things, and you have to find the, the desire for them to talk now. The sales cycles are longer. You convert fewer of them. It's just a hazard of outbound. And it, 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 the advantage is it's scalable, but the disadvantage is you have to work harder to do it and do it well. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the quota number is interesting. So, we always work back with a client. We push back to try and get a conversion rate we're expecting. How many meetings do we need? Over what period? and then we work it back to conversations and then eventually dials. So we try to look at, you know, dials or outreach touch points. We tend to hinge on dials more than anything else because I don't you know, I don't think anybody's ever run a, a, an email only account and got the, you know, email to meeting all the way through. I think it always needs a conversation at some point. So the the, the touch points around that tend to be ancillary rather than key for us, um, but yeah, we kind of, you know, calls or, or outreach touch points um, or activities, leading to conversations leading to to meetings leading to conversions average sales value overlaid against that sales cycle overlaid against that and eventually you come to a number that's a revenue number you think you can get in the first 12 months and then 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 that's what we're working with towards the client and we just we journey it so we look at it milestones monthly to make sure we're on track
0: yeah math of sales baby your math math of sales is your math of sales and to, to that point um the challenge that i see and, and you're, you're addressing this with your customers is everyone wants to benchmark mm. well you know someone told me that their sdrs are getting 15 meetings a month so yeah well yeah that, that has no relevance to you right there's so mm. many variables
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and even things that we've had at clients are you're not performing as well as our internal operation and we'll dig and we'll find that they're phoning all of the people who attended the webinars that marketing set up and they've got thousands of people that have engaged with the brand already right. and we're phoning a cold database that's never heard of them before in a new market in a new territory maybe even with a different service sometimes you say well and we're not we're not comparing like with like and as i say we run 40 50 concurrent campaigns at any one time there are not two that are the same there are not two that are the same yeah we can give round arm swings you know we we see our best salespeople convert, you know, one in between one in 10 and one in five conversations into a meeting, but that needs a really strong message, a really good offering, the right data in the first place. You can't just have a great salesperson and the wrong tools and it works the other way around as well. So it is so broad. Um, And and yeah, you really should be focusing on just incremental improvements in yours rather than worrying about what what other people are doing and achieving. Well,
0: it's important you mentioned that you you started with revenue too. Uh, A lot of folks also, you know, focus on the wrong Mark, mm. well, well, we yeah. need 20 meetings. Let's reverse engineer from that. Well, well why do you need 20 meetings?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. that's quota. Uh, Pick the number. But, yeah. But but, but, but why?
1: <laughs> yeah. What does it's that so result?
0: Good. to? And then you go back to, well, what person, mm. you know, what's here? I, you know, I take a couple more conversions in there, but it's so interesting. Um, um, and it's great to hear that the, that's what you guys are doing. There. It's not, mm. uh, there's no, there's no right way. Every, Every single organization should have their own math of sales, which informs quota and quota, quota should inform activity. I agree. Entirely. Yeah. 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 Uh, Fantastic. So now that goes into compensation. I think this is a big one. I'm very curious to hear how you think about compensating these outbound SDRs and you got the two different perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, From your own internal business, it's probably a little bit easier than the outsourced side, but, but how do you think about compensation?
1: yeah the 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 biggest barrier on the outsource side is is um information so knowing what happens with those opportunities afterwards so it's very high hard to measure quality and success rates 100 percent of the time consistently because not all of our clients give us that information all of the time um so when we look at our internal we look at a um uh, they earn a, a a set bonus or commission payment per meeting that is sat and that goes to proposal so our sales team have the mindset that if our outbound SDR sets a meeting for one of our AEs or sales directors if that sales director or AE sits that meeting and chooses to spend the time writing a proposal we class that as an opportunity so you know this the AEs and sales directors have a responsibility for that again it's a bit like they're listening to the call if you choose to write a proposal they've done their job at that point in time so they earn a piece of money for that which is a uh, more of a pat on the back well done you, you, you've got something over the line but everything leads to revenue so there's a revenue share number at the end of it and that means that we see both levels strs and aes really focused on the end goal and quite often we'll see SDRs, this is our internal operations sitting on that first call with the aes so they share that that handover call they'll sit in on the on the on the meeting that they book, so that we see that smooth transition. Sometimes they get involved later in the process, maybe sending some further information, or just keep it keeping involved. So it is a collaboration, and that means that we get SDRs stepping up into being able to sell our services as well and learning the process. So there's there's a internally we have two layers: one for booking the meeting and it being a good meeting, so to speak, and one for for revenue share, which is a, a bigger piece of the pie and, and obviously takes longer to come over. Um, the client facing team. It's a dip because we, we, we work with our team on a revenue share model. So basically a percentage of money, the percentage of the revenue our client spends with us gets shared amongst the team who have worked on that account based on performance. Um, so the, the, the simple mindset there is the longer and that, that revenue share percentage increases over time. So the longer the client stays with us, the more the 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 more of the pot goes through it. Cause theoretically we've got a more secure client, um, they're, le- they're lower maintenance, you know, all that okay. sort of stuff. Um, better
0: margin, better margin yeah, six yeah, months absolutely. in, six absolutely. months, twelve um, months in. You know, we've got all the messaging, all the yeah. data, all the all the management, all the That's personalities taken care of. Definitely it. better margin. Yeah, it's I love that you're sharing um, I love that you're sharing that with the team. That's uh
1: yeah, it's, it's good. And, and what I like about it as well is that um, because it increases over time, our, our team are focused on what is the best outcome for the client in this scenario. We're not focused on how many appointments can we get, which goes back to your point before of revenue versus quota of appointments. I've run too many operations in the past where I've made the mistake of it's all about the number of appointments for a client. And the problem is, is that then quality goes out the window. It's all about quantity. To earn my commission, I've got to hit that number. If I've got somebody sitting on the fence, sometimes the right thing to do is, you know what, Ryan, have a think about it. I'm going to send you some information. Let's talk next week. It might not be right for you. That's okay. I don't want to waste my AEs time or my client's time. You don't do that because I want to earn my commission. We make it about, hey, if the client keeps buying from us, you keep earning more money. And that way, I'm able to say, look, this is the right outcome for that client. On this, I'm going to make that decision, um, and I'm going to make it knowing that I don't lose out, um, and actually, I gain because the client is less likely to spend with us if we're setting them poor meetings, and they're they they're, they're going to start complaining and they're going to walk away from us. So, yeah, we're very focused on yeah, we want to get good numbers, but we don't want to do that at all costs. Um, and yeah, I think that's a that's a really important part of our DNA as an organisation that I think sets us up, for, up us up for success. Um, and it takes it away from our clients, converting our opportunities. We have one client who has two salespeople, one converts 5%, one converts 40%, same opportunities, same meetings. I don't want to remuner- remunerate my team based on that because that's unfair to them. They can't control that outcome. That's, I
0: mean, I, you're just so obviously you've been doing this for so long, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> A few years. Yeah
0: it's it's so smart the idea first and foremost again the recording like hey if you decided to sit the meeting if you decided to attend that means it was it was solid now it just kind mm. of takes the subjectivity out of it right mm. you decided to spend your time with that name and title
1: yeah
0: you listen with the same information as we had. The sa- same information yeah. we had you listen to the call you know that's step one step two which i really like because there's always these long drawn out sales cycles that can be challenging um, mm-hmm. You never know when a deal is going to come across the line. So by attaching yourself to revenue in a way around, Hey, if you decide to quote it, you know I have this idea of sales accepted, which would be you forecast yeah. it. But if you decide to quote it, cause now it's it takes some of the subjectivity out of it too. Mm-hmm. Most like there's a lot of sales teams, unfortunately that uh, are sandbaggers and things like that. So that could cause some challenges, but mm-hmm. for the most part, uh people aren't going to spend their time getting to that stage of sending a quote, sending a proposal. I mean, some do, they'll send them to everybody, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but for the most part, when you go to your sales manager and you're forecasting, you know, your number, that has alignment, right? And at that point, you'd certainly have done, yep. you know, as an SDR, you've done your job, right? I mean, all the mm-hmm. way through, not only and there's alignment there, like you said. Hey, if I know that I get paid for sent proposals, not just the meeting, well, I want to I want to optimize for. You know, getting opportunities that are mm. going to go there. So, if I know that there, I could be spending more time finding the next account that's ready versus this one that's eh, iffy. I might not be shipping those to the AE who's yeah. sitting yeah. meetings that mm. you know maybe don't make any sense. So, I, I like that that concept. It's very interesting. So, now we'll move into kind of landing the plane here, Owen. Uh, obviously, you're an outbound uh, machine over there, but are there any other channels? that your company is using that, that actually, um, are driving leads for your business and, and how does outbound stack against that?
1: Yeah. Of- so we, we, we're pretty, we're pretty broad. Um, we are, we, you know, I'm not a believer that, that just because we outbound is what I do. Um, and my expertise that we should rely on that. <laughs> um, so when I look at our business and selling our services, um, we utilize ppc um so we do we spend a fair amount on ppc and we drive it we, we the good thing about ppc for us is it's predictable we know what we what roughly we're going to get for our pounds spent or dollar spent depending on where you are um and and so we can scale up and down uh, depending on demand and capacity same with outbound you can layer it you know because we've got an extra team there we can treat ourselves as a client and layer an extra heading on outbound for a month if we need to generate some demand um so that, that's big for us. We we um, we do events and um, we have a referral program, partnership referral program that works well for us. And, you know, these these are more about quality. So when I look at referral partnership, we get six to eight referrals per month um, across, uh, across that, but we convert them. You know, we know that we're converting a, 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 a b- the best number on that channel out of all of our channels. Um, uh, it's not something that we have as much control of. We can't scale it as easily and as, as quickly. You can't just... You know make a decision and turn it up and turn it down in quite the same way um, yeah just i just valid. want more referrals referrals yeah, converted now,
0: <laughs> referrals referrals refer to 80 well let's just go focus
1: on getting more referrals exactly exactly well. wouldn't that be nice um so yeah we use ppc and outbound so the, the way i look at it is that ppc and our out and outbound seo um events all that stuff creates the referrals creates the noise creates the talking about and the inbound traffic that has Loads of really high value from a qualitative perspective. So we know the quality of those opportunities is good. Outbound and PPC drives the volume for us. And those, those, those things alongside each other mean that we have control over our 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 our, our demand um or or, or as much control as you could expect to have in terms of capacity and scale but that we're not doing it all focused on a lack of uh, a lack of quality so we've got a bit of both in there um we also run social ads like linkedin ads it's not a massive channel for us right now but we're playing with it and getting some success so you know i think that'll add to the mix as well
0: okay and and uh that's interesting that you guys are all bound, which, you know, I, th- I come across a lot of people that are like either or. So um, mm. I like, you know, it's, it's great to have your perspective. And of course, you know, to your point earlier, right. Of course, referrals are going to perform better. Right. Yeah. Of course, of course, if somebody's actively searching you out, true inbound, right. Like mm. Not, not like pay click and stuff like that. That to yeah. me is outbound. That's might potentially going to perform well. Yeah. But the um, um, final question here, Owen is, um, and this is, this is probably you your opportunity to you know pitch yourself, right? <laughs> why, why do you have an outbound team? Why why should I do outbound?
1: Um, I kind of touched on it there. I think that the that, that if you are ambitious as an organization and growth is on your agenda, and I don't mean growth as in organic growth two three four percent a year, and if we you know if we don't do anything different, we might grow because we get a couple of referrals, but I mean actual growth, then I think it's the the, the outbound is the best channel that gives you control. The numbers us are, are consistent. Once you're mature in the process, they're reasonably consistent. So you get you get to the point where the, you know. I do again back to our point earlier. It's a matter of sales. I do X dials, speak to X people. You know, Y people gives me Z appointments. I convert at that rate. So I know that if I work that backwards, if I want more appoint more sales, I need more appointments, which means more conversations, which means more resource. Um, and I do that do that number, and therefore growth of my business becomes more predictable. Um, and it then becomes about an appetite for risk and the, the met managing the points of failure, i.e., you hire somebody who doesn't do the job as well, or you know, you have a data data issue, or whatever it might be, or you know, the market changes like it did last year, all those things that are maybe things that can go wrong, but you you know what's going that something is going wrong because you're used to the numbers. Whereas I think that with other channels it's you've got less control. You know, you yes you can do SEO, but it relies on the search traffic being there, which is something you can't can't control, but you can control how many dials are made. Um, you know, you can, like you said, referrals. They're great. We all know they're brilliant. You can influence it by going and asking for more, but you know you're going to you, you can only do that so many times with people. Um, and I just think that that if if you want to grow in a controlled way, predictably, um, I think it's just a, a fantastic channel to utilise. Um, See so that that's why we do outbound because it's it's the best way for us to grow our business consistently. And in a in a, a scalable and controllable way, but it's not the only way. You know, we never ever say only do outbound. I think uh, my my message is outbound an important role, but don't ignore the other channels. They're all they're all important in their own way. But for me, outbound is always number one.
0: Fantastic. Oh, and you're a, a oracle in the in the top of the funnel here. Your your knowledge <laughs> and perspective here is uh, is quite helpful. Uh, thank you so much for providing your perspective on, on this topic today. Uh, if folks want to get a hold of you or learn more about air, air marketing, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out?
1: Um, air marketing.co.uk is our website. Um, and you'll find me, Owen J. Richards, uh, on LinkedIn as well. If you search for me, um, CEO of Air Marketing. So LinkedIn is always a good place to to, to catch me because, like uh, like most of us, I'm hanging out there a fair bit.
0: Fantastic. Owen, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. Have a wonderful uh, weekend here.
1: You too. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.